Welcome to Experience This, the podcast that celebrates remarkable customer experiences and inspires you to stand out from the competition by wowing your customers. Each episode, we bring you a healthy dose of inspiring stories, funny interactions, and practical takeaways. Marketing and customer experience thought leader, Dan Gingas shares the mic with customer retention and employee experience expert, Joey Coleman, helping you to get people talking about your business. So get ready because it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss how to get your customers to come back again and again, how dad can help you stand out in a crowd, and how to grow your business by growing your client's business. Terminators, differentiators, and accelerators. Oh my. We're excited to give you an overview of an important book you should know about, as well as share some of our favorite passages as part of our next book report. We have got a really interesting and different episode for you all today. Three fantastic writers had their books come out on the same day. So today's episode is going to be three book reports. Now, before you get anxious and think, oh, wait a second, I don't know that I can handle three books in a single episode. Moral of the story here, friends, is we are going to be trying to distill down some of the key takeaways so that you don't have to read the whole book if you don't want to. But I'm telling you, based on Dan and I's readings of these three books, you're going to want to check them out. So we're going to jump in with a phrase that I imagine is familiar to most of our listeners. I'll be back. These three words will be forever linked to one particular actor turned California governor, the Terminator. Ronald Reagan? Yeah, not Ronald Reagan. The Terminator himself, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, yet despite being one of the most famous movie phrases ever uttered, It is also the title of customer service expert and good friend of the experience this show, Shep Hyken's newest book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. And keen observers will note that the book cover, even the font, has a little bit of a hint of Arnold in it. Hyken even created a fictional award for the book called an Arnie. And I'm quoting here, an Arnie is a special term for the experience you deliver that helps turn the people who buy from you into repeat customers, customers who think to themselves or even say right out loud, I'll be back. Arnies don't happen by accident. We have to plan for them if we want to win them. But here's the thing. An Arnie is not an award given out once a year to a few elite people. It happens every day, all the time, whenever customers make that critical decision that they want to keep doing business with a company. It's a moment that has to be earned over and over again. Speaking of a moment deserving to be earned, Shep is such a friend of Dan and I both and has been such an amazing voice in the customer service and customer experience space for so long. We thought it would be great to have him start this conversation off by giving us an overview of his new book, I'll Be Back. Shep, take it away. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert. And I'm very excited to tell you about my eighth book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. And that's exactly what this book is about. Several years ago, I was working with a client and we were talking about all the different ways 
We determine whether that customer was happy with us. We have the typical net promoter score question, like on a scale of zero to 10, what's the likelihood that you'd recommend us? We have customer satisfaction questions, like on a scale of one to five or one to 10, were you happy with their product or service and more? Well, those are very important questions to ask and very important feedback to get. But you must remember, it's a history lesson. It's what happened yesterday. It's what happened the last time the customer did business with us. And this gentleman and I, we had a great conversation and we decided the best measurement we need to look at is if the customer actually comes back. That's their behavior. Hence the title of the book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Your Customers to Come Back Again and again. Now, I promise you this. If you open the book to just about any page, you are going to find a tip, a strategy, a tactic, an idea, a discussion topic that you will be able to start to use and talk to your team about just immediately. And that's what I encourage you to do. Not just read this book, but actually use this book. Again, the title, I'll be back. How to get customers to come back again and again. And I know you're going to love it. So, Joey, there were so many great parts of this book. I had trouble picking just one that I wanted to highlight. But I found one that really resonated with me from the time that I spent in corporate America. It is in a section about meeting customer expectations or creating customer friction. And I'll let you decide which might be happening here. The title of this section is called Bad policies. As a customer, don't you hate it when someone does something that seems like a waste of your time or puts up a needless obstacle to getting you what you're after and then blames it on a policy they supposedly have no control over? Don't you hate it when a service provider gives you an instant negative response to a question and then says, it's company policy, as though that explains everything? Newsflash. That kind of response doesn't explain anything. If there is a guideline we have no choice but to follow, it's our job to explain to the customer why the guideline is there, how it's relevant to the present situation, and what the alternate plan of action is for getting the customer closer to where he or she wants to be. And by the way, if a particular rule keeps coming up as an example of friction in our customer's world, we need to find a way to change it. Joey, you know that I worked in both financial services and healthcare for <laughs> a do. long time. A place that is, uh, industries that are, how shall I say, known for their love of policies and procedures? Oh boy, did we have policies all Ugh. over the place. And it is true that so often, internally, even employees, when not talking to customers, lean back on, well, it's our policy, or it's a regulation, or somebody said we had to do this. And it's like you you walk into a brick wall and there's nothing you can do about it. And that's what the customer feels when they get this answer. They feel completely helpless because you've just told them no and nothing I can do. Well, I feel like to be candid for me personally, and you, you just, for those of you that uh, may not know, Dan just inadvertently hit on a super hot button topic for me because this stuff drives me bonkers. I would say it's even worse than a brick wall or leaving people, you know, kind of in like the state of, well, where do I go from here? To me, when somebody says, well, it's our policies, what I hear is I don't give a beep, 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 beep about you. 
and like as a human, as a person, as a customer. And it drives me bonkers. And I love the way Shep says in that passage, you know, if you do have to have a guideline, right? There's such a difference between that's our policy and, well, these are the guidelines we operate under and here's why we have these guidelines. But let me see how we might be able to color outside of the lines a little bit or try something a little bit different or what can I do to help your situation? feels like such a better approach. Absolutely. And you know, what happens also is we teach our customers a way around it. So my dad, for example, is great at this. When he doesn't get the answer that he wants, he just asks to talk to a supervisor because (laughs) his belief is somebody can make this decision, right? Somebody has the power to call an exception to this rule. But if we teach customers that, then what happens? They're always asking for supervisors. And that's not a good situation either, because obviously by the time we're repeating our story to a supervisor, we're already doubly frustrated. So true. So true. Well, as you mentioned, Dan, this book has a lot of really fun, thoughtful passages that, you know, left me kind of as I was reading, stopping and saying, wow, there's a lot I can unpack here. And that's what I want to share is my favorite passage. It actually comes from a section called You're Terminated. And it details 10 likely reasons the customer terminated you. Here they are. Apathy. Rudeness. Your contact information wasn't easily accessible. They couldn't connect with you on the channel they prefer using. You simply didn't respond when they told you they had a problem. You had a poor response time. They had a problem and you responded, but you didn't make an effort. You made them wait too darn long. You made them repeat the same story again and again. Somebody else listened when you wouldn't. Now, in that list of 10 likely reasons a customer would terminate someone, I found a lot of familiarity in those feelings and those scenarios and thinking back across various business relationships that I had terminated going, yep, that one up and then they hit that one. Yep. And then they hit that one. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back. So I think there's the, uh, it's interesting to think about this as almost like a checklist and to ask how often are your customers expressing these frustrations? How often are they saying these exact things to you? And that alone should give you enough evidence to find areas to improve the customer experience. You know, Joy, I loved that list as well. And the one that really stuck out to me the most was the last one. Somebody else listened when you wouldn't. And that is really what happens when a lot of these other frustrations get placed in front of your customers. At the end of the day, if your customers feel like they're going to suffer from death from a thousand paper cuts, they're going to end up going to your competition. And that's a double loss. You've lost a customer. Your competition has gained one. I agree with you so much, Dan. You know, that whole idea that we need to spend more time listening, it applies to, frankly, every area of our life. But that double whammy, if you will, and I know you love game shows, of, uh, you know, not only losing the customer, but them going to your competitor just makes the termination even that much more worse. I mean, I I think we're going to have to have a sequel to the uh, Terminator movie about how you were terminated and then they came back to terminate you again by going with the competition. Well, anyway, let's go ahead and hear 
from Shep. One of our favorite parts of these book reports is getting to ask the authors what their favorite passage is, kind of what piece they thought they wanted to make sure our audience heard the most or that resonated with them the most or just their their one that they really liked and wanted to share. So let's hear from Shep as he shares his favorite passage from I'll Be Back. This is an excerpt from chapter four, The Culture Challenge. Think for a moment about someone who just became a smiling first-time customer of yours, someone who says to friends and family and colleagues, I really love doing business with them. That's what you want the person to say, right? It's a great outcome. You should be proud of that. That kind of response sets up repeat business with that person, which in turn sets up the possibility of a long-term loyal relationship. Of course, you love hearing that. Yet there's a question to consider, an important one. In that one beautiful sentence, I really love doing business with them. Who is them? Remember, this is a first-time customer. In all likelihood, they haven't interacted with many people on your team. The odds are pretty good, in fact, that they've interacted with only one person. And that's worth noting. Based on an interaction with one person, the customer has made the generalization about your entire organization. Isn't that remarkable? One good interaction between a couple of people and now the customers out there telling everyone how they really love doing business with the whole company. At the end of the day, customer service is not a department. It's a philosophy to be embraced by everyone in an organization. It's part of the culture of a company. You know, Joey, one final thing I really liked about this book is that Shep does such a great job of setting up what he's going to teach the reader, and then he teaches it, and then he summarizes it and reiterates it to make sure that we understood it, and he uses key summary points, conversation starters, and action items at the end of each chapter. So go out and get I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again by our friend Shep Hyken, who never disappoints when he writes books. And this is the newest one. And we hope that you will be back as well. We're excited to give you an overview of an important book you should know about, as well as share some of our favorite passages as part of our next book report. So I found myself in an audience a few years ago listening to this speaker who had a somewhat impossible last name to pronounce, Mike Michalowicz. And he was speaking about his book, The Pumpkin Plan. And I was totally intrigued and I bought the book. And I just loved the way he wrote. I loved the style. I loved the combination of humor, of conversational language, of really thoughtful turns of phrase that made me go, wow, I hadn't thought of that before and I need to stop reading and spend some time thinking about it, as well as the real tactical advice for what to do next. And since then, I've just become a huge fan of Mike and his work. I've gone back and read all of his books that he had written before Pumpkin Plan. I've read all of his books he's written since Pumpkin Plan, including Profit First and Clockwork and What's Next. And I'm just a big fan of Mike Michalowicz and his work. Well, and astute listeners may remember all the way back to season five, episode 93, when we featured his book, Clockwork. Exactly. Taking us way back with that reference. I love it, Dan. Well, Mike is back with his newest book, which was just released today. It's called Get Different. 
marketing that can't be ignored. Now, some of you may be saying, wait a minute, marketing, we're customer experience podcasts. We talk about employee experience. What does that have to do with marketing? That's the stuff that happens before you have a customer. I get it. But one of the things that I really liked about this book is there are so many parallels that we can draw to customer experience. So don't be turned off if you're a customer experience purist and you think having marketing in the subtitle means it's not as applicable to you because I promise that it is. And while it's nice to think about the fact of using this concept of differentiation, being different, to stand out in the crowd, the reality is most companies claim to do this, but they're really not as good as as they think. So we're going to talk a lot about that, and that's really the premise of the entire book. But before we dive too deep, we wanted to have Mike McCallowitz set the stage and give us an overview of his new book, Get Different, Marketing That Can't Be Ignored. Here's Mike. Sadly, the majority of marketing that small business does is a abject failure. The reason is they don't market. I've had the privilege now of speaking with countless entrepreneurs, interviewing and surveying them perhaps in the tens of thousands through live events, through virtual webinars, through one-on-one meetings. And I constantly ask the same question, what is your source of leads? And the response is word of mouth. My clients refer me and we boast about it. 90% of my referrals come from clients, 100% from clients. It's a wonderful thing because they're saying they value what you offer, but that is putting your marketing at the whim of customers. What we need to do is deliberately market. And that's why I wrote Get Different. Get Different is the essential formula for effective marketing. It's based upon three core elements. I call it the DAD framework. First, your marketing must differentiate. It must stand out from the common noise. And there's a biological reason to do this. It's our mind as a consumer only sees different. More white noise, more hey friend emails are ignored because we already know it's a marketing message. Do something that's different. But that alone is not enough gets attention, you must be attractive. What do you do or what can you say in your marketing message that's compelling to the audience? Does it speak to a need they have, a problem? Does it solve that? Does it invoke curiosity? Does it entertain? It must be attractive and that will keep them engaged. And then you must bring them to the direct. The direct is a specific and reasonable action for them to take. What do you want them to do, but what is also safe and reasonable for them? For you to show up at a car lot and the salesperson says, give me $100,000, That's extraordinary. You're going to walk away. But if the salesperson says, would you give me your cell number so I can send you pictures of my inventory? That's a reasonable step toward the ultimate transaction. So the Get Different book has the framework called DAD. Now, here's one final thing I want you to know. You have a responsibility to market. It is the ultimate act of kindness. Yes, if your product or your service is better than the competition, it is only kind and appropriate to share it with prospects. It doesn't mean they have to buy it, but they need to be aware of it. Because if you're better, it may be their problem. They use someone else inferior, but it's your fault. So be kind and market your business. Well, I do love a good framework and I'm also a dad. So I'm going to buy into this one. (laughs) I figured you would. But I, you know what I like here, Joey? I often say that I live at the intersection of customer experience and marketing because I spent most of my career in marketing. And this is so timely because what's happening at so many large companies is customer service and customer experience are getting moved under the chief marketing officer. And companies are starting to figure out that marketing and CX are inseparable. And uh, and I don't want to say they're one and the same, because they're not, but marketing's role has evolved 
into really being the promisers of the customer experience. And so if they don't understand the customer experience or they're not close to it, it's awfully hard for them to market to that. And I love what he says about the B2B space, about how many customers are coming from referrals, not marketing. And we call that word of mouth, which is, of course, the holy grail of marketing. So great stuff from uh, Mike. I definitely see why you picked out this book. Yeah, and I agree with you, Dan. You know, there's such a, a shift now that's happening in businesses as they start to think about, you know, marketing and customer experience kind of all being part of the same story. Where I think our our listeners and businesses out there need to show great caution, and I think this is kind of an underlying message in Mike's book, is the more those departments expand and get bigger, the less likely they are to be different. Different is not doing more of what the competition does. Different is doing more of you. And, you know, that's a paraphrase on a direct quote from the book. And I, I think so often we're afraid, you know, if you're a solo entrepreneur, maybe two or three people, maybe you have a little more courage to say, all right, I'm just going to be who I am unabashedly in the marketplace. But as organizations grow and get bigger, it's like, oh, we could never do that. We shouldn't do that. That's not a good idea. Yet the stories that everybody talks about is when someone does something unexpected when they do something different, when they do something special. And I love that Mike has basically put together an entire book and framework for how to not only do things that are different, but to do them strategically and make sure that different actually continues on to action by your customer. Yeah, I love that. And I also love this aspect of not looking to the competition. I mean, if you want to be inspired and you are a bank, the last place you should look is other banks. <laughs> no, exactly. Right? Uh, but it's okay for you to look at amusement parks and coffee shops and restaurants and retailers for inspiration on what you might be able to do at your bank. And I think that smart companies really understand that. So Mike tells a lot of stories in the book, and I love great stories and great storytellers. And there's one early on that illustrates how to start thinking differently. Now, to set the stage, Mike is sharing a conversation that he had with a friend that was a real estate agent who felt that this strategy didn't apply to his industry. Here comes the, the passage. I asked, tell me about the customer experience. Tell me what every real estate agent does to sell a house. A selling agent will list the house online, perhaps run it in a paper, and put up a for sale sign on the property. Hold on, wait, does everyone put up a for sale sign? Does every house get one? Yeah, it's standard practice, Greg said. Big fat hint here. When something is standard practice in an industry, that is a massive opportunity to be different. Tell me how the signs are posted, I said. They are put on the home's property nearest the road. The signs are usually a sandwich board type or are a posted sign. How often are the signs posted that way? All the time. It's standard marketing practice, Greg said. What if the signs were different? What if it was a small windmill? One of the tall types that you see in a garden? And what if the sign was mounted to that, I asked. I have never seen that. No one... Greg paused. Then I finished his sentence for him. Yeah, Greg, no one does that. An orange among apples. When you, my reading friend, come up with an approach that inspires you to say, no one does that. You have found a different idea. Greg had his first idea. 
a windmill house for sale sign. Different is not some massive change. It rarely is. Small changes that are different win. Different is hardly ever outrageous, but it is always atypical. The key is to break through the white noise of sameness. In many cases, it doesn't take much. Greg is off to test now. Maybe the windmill thing will work. Maybe it won't. The point is, he's off to implement a simple change that, if it tests successfully, he can use as his company's new standard practice, which is anything but standard marketing in the industry. Oh, I love that story, Dan. Uh, you know, as I said from the outset, Mike is such a great storyteller, and you get a flair and a kind of a flavor for his writing style and his approach. What I particularly love about this is I think most businesses are so afraid to cut against the grain. They're so afraid to try something different. And what Mike is talking about there, in case you missed it, is he said, now we have something to test. Maybe it's going to work. Maybe it won't. That's not the point. The point is we're trying to be different. We're trying to do something that's not the usual way of doing it. You know, as someone who likes to geek out on why humans do the things that they do, I was super excited about some of the science that Mike shares regarding the value and challenges of being different. So here's my favorite quote from the book. When something is different, the reticular formation triggers a cascading effect in the brain to analyze the situation. And the first priority is threat analysis. If we're in harm's way, it is critical to get out of it. But once the different thing is identified as safe, then our brains look for opportunity. Will I benefit from this? If the assessment is no, then our brains add this different, hey friend type of thing to the category of the inconsequential, something that is to be ignored. Opportunity exists in that little window between different when the brain pays absolute attention to it and the qualification of threats or opportunities before the brain chooses to ignore this different thing forevermore. In those few milliseconds, you make your millions or billions or gazillions. <laughs> gazillions. <laughs> gazillions, I assume that's right? A <laughs> All right, so we've heard my favorite passage and Joey's favorite passage, but what about the author's favorite passage? Let's listen to Mike McCallowitz share his favorite excerpt from his book, Get Different. My favorite excerpt from Get Different is a quote from Yannick Silver. I met with him when I was marketing my first book or failing to market my first book. Just to give context, the first day of sales, my launch, my first book, I had zero sales, which means my own mother didn't buy a book that day. It was miserable. I met with Yannick and he said, do you believe in your book? I said, more than anything. Does it deliver extraordinary value? Absolutely. Did you put everything you know into it? Yes. I said, for the $25 investment, you'll get the biggest return. He looked at me in my eyes and this is the quote in the book. He said, then you have a goddamn responsibility to outmarket everybody. That's the lesson I want you to take. If you offer something that is better than the alternatives, it is your responsibility to market. It is the ultimate act of kindness. You see, customers will only be aware of you if they are aware of you, so you must market. If they don't hear about you, if you're invisible, they're going to buy the alternatives. And the alternatives are inferior, which means it's of a disservice to your customer. You have a responsibility to market because it's the responsibility you have to be of the greatest service. Marketing translates to being of service. Marketing is kindness. 
Oh, that's a good one. And to be honest, friends, as somebody who knows and is good friends with Yannick Silver, the gentleman that uh, Mike is referring to there, I can understand these type of probing, poignant questions coming from Yannick and the obvious impact that it had on Mike as he thought about the book. Here's the thing. You have a choice. Every time you create a new marketing piece, every time you draft an email, every time you think about a script for a video, every time you create a landing page, at every touch point that a customer is going to see, you have the opportunity to be different. And if you want some ideas about how to be different in a strategic way, as opposed to just being different for different sake, you're going to want to pick up a copy of Mike Michalowicz's fantastic book, Get Different marketing that can't be ignored. And we're excited to see what you do to get different. Now, as is always the case here at the Experience This Show, when we do book reports, we would love to share copies of the books with you. We happen to purchase copies of all the books we feature on the Experience This Show. And if you tweet about the show, or if you're into that tweeting type thing, or you send us an email about how it impacted you, or you just message us and say, hey guys, I love listening to the show, would love a copy of the book. Or you write a review, or you do any of the things that let us know that you're out there, that you're listening, and you're intrigued by the book that we showcased we will happily send you your own copy as a thank you for your continued listening to experience this. So if either Shep's book or Mike Michalowicz's book or the next book we're going to talk about in this episode is interesting to you, make sure to let us know so we can send a copy your way. Wow, last week was a big week. Check out this five-star review on Amazon from Brit about the new book, The Experience Maker, how to create remarkable experiences that your customers can't wait to share by our very own Dan Dingus. Do yourself a favor and read this book. You'll be wiser for doing it. Dan expertly shares a plan that marketers and leaders of companies large and small can follow to elevate CX at every step of the customer journey. This how-to guide is inspiring, up-to-date, including an entire chapter dedicated to post-COVID customer expectations and, most importantly, actionable. Grab this book before your competitors do. I couldn't agree with Britt more. Dan's book is fantastic. The reviews are coming in. The book is flying off the shelves. Loyal listeners of The Experience of This Show are going to recognize some of the stories that Dan has in the book. But if you're a big fan of the show, you'll actually get some behind the stories elements and some deeper insights as Dan goes into what actually happened behind the story and how you can apply these observations and these wise and wiser bits of insight to your own business. Now, as you might have noticed, I'm doing all the talking here. Dan isn't doing the talking. He doesn't even know I'm recording this little segment. And the reason why is because Dan Gingis is an experience maker. He is a giver. He wouldn't necessarily come on and be so bold as to say, hey, buy a copy of my book, but I will. Let me tell you, there are very few books that as I'm reading them, I'm excited about the next chapter because I'm getting value, I'm getting content, and the book feels like it is propelling me forward. That happens in fiction books all the time. In nonfiction books, not so much. But in this book, it happened. Leaders are readers. Go be a leader in your organization. Be the first leader in your organization to read The Experience Maker. You're going to love it. Go check it out. Dan Gingis, The Experience Maker, available at your local bookstore or online or wherever you like to 
buy or listen to books. And last but not least, our final book report of the episode, the one, the only John Jantz. If you're not familiar with John Jantz, to be honest, you probably haven't been paying attention to the small and medium-sized business marketing space for the last 20 years. John is an absolute tour de force when it comes to thinking about how businesses can increase their reach and connect more with their customers. What's interesting about his newest book, The Ultimate Marketing Engine, Five Steps to Ridiculously Consistent Growth, is according to John, he feels that this is the book that he's written that is most applicable to the customer experience space. John's a good friend of mine, and we actually had some conversations about this, and I couldn't agree with him more. But before we dive into how you can apply the ultimate marketing engine concepts to the CX side of your business, let's go ahead and hear a little bit about John's book in his own words as he gives us an overview of the ultimate marketing engine. I'm John Jantz, author of The Ultimate Marketing Engine. Now, my guess is your first question might be, well, the heck is an ultimate marketing engine? Quite simply, the ultimate marketing engine is a successful customer. Now, you may be thinking, duh, everyone knows that you need customers. After all, that's pretty much what every other marketing book says. The customer is king, blah, blah, blah. But in this book, I suggest that most every other marketing book, including a couple I've written, gets this idea terribly wrong. The school of thought that says the purpose of a business is to profitably acquire and retain customers is not necessarily wrong. It's just limiting and hard to sustain. What if the purpose of your business was to discover what it takes to make your customers successful? What if then you concentrated all of your efforts on that goal for an ever-expanding roster of ideal customers? What if growth came with your customers, not from them? What if you focus less on the transactions and more on transformation? In the Ultimate Marketing Engine, you'll encounter an innovative approach to mapping where your best customers are today and where they ultimately want to go. What if this point of view, your mission, becomes taking them on this journey, a journey that will allow you to create customers for life? The Ultimate Marketing Engine is broken up into five steps. Step one, you'll map where your best customers are today and where they want to go. Step two, you'll uncover the real problem you solve for your ideal customers. In step three, I'm going to ask you to narrow your focus to the top 20% of your ideal customers. And in step four, we're going to go to work on attracting more ideal customers with the narrative they are already telling themselves. And finally, in step five, we're going to show you how to scale with your customers by serving their entire ecosystem. The Ultimate Marketing Engine is essentially a strategy book, but when you dive in, it may just feel like you're immersed in a two-day workshop that can give you an entirely new perspective on your business and your marketing. Now, what's super cool about this book is it's actually more than a book. It's a playbook. Now, I know a lot of books claim to do that, but this is one where if this at all sounds interesting to you, friends, you're not going to want to buy the digital version or the audio book. If that's how you like to consume books, go ahead and do it, but also buy the physical book because he takes you through a series of exercises. And in fact, it's almost like a workbook or a workshop rather that has been put into book form. You're going to want to have this to go through the book and work the book, not just read it. Now, it is 
chock full of fantastic passages. And in fact, you know, it's one that uh, ended up breaking my Kindle. But Dan, what, what did you think about all of this stuff? Well, first of all, I love that he references, and I quote, Jay Bears, Hug Your Haters, and Joey Coleman's Never Lose a Customer Again. <laughs> You're too so kind. That's cool. But you know what? This is the second time this episode that you have brought a marketing book to our Customer Experience Podcast. And I'm so proud of you as the marketer here in the group. Uh, it's like, now I owe you two legal books or something like that. I like, like it. That. I like it. Sounds good. Uh, but I, but you know, I'm going to say the same thing I said before. Marketing and customer experience are becoming inextricably linked. And companies that don't understand that are really missing out. And I think that John's book really hits on that just in the way that he set it up. And, and, and you know, talking about that, he thinks that this is of all of his books, the one that is really going to speak to the customer experience crowd the most. So without further ado, here is John Jance sharing his favorite passage from his new book, Ultimate Marketing Engine. I'd like to read a passage from chapter seven in the Ultimate Marketing Engine, Narrow Your Focus. I love this passage because this is probably the hardest step for many businesses to take. There are plenty of customers to go around. Just remember that you don't need them all. And maybe more important, you don't want them all. In step three, We'll work on understanding who and what makes a perfect customer for your business. Then we'll go to work on helping more of them understand why your business is the only logical solution for them. Why 20%? I guess mainly because it's a nice round number, but there's also plenty of scientific data suggesting that somewhere around 80% of a typical business's revenue or profit is found in just 20% of its customers. I know, that's the 80-20 model or Pareto principle often seems to oversimplify business operations. But then again, it just keeps ringing true in math and economics, land ownership, and yes, most businesses. Let's say that right now you had a chance to chuck every single one of your current customers and proclaim, I can work with anyone that I want to. Would you still be working with today's customers? Experience tells me that your answer would be, Maybe some, but probably not all. Sure, you know that not all customers are ideal, but what the heck? Shouldn't you sell to anyone who needs what you offer? Isn't anyone with the means to pay for what you sell an ideal customer? That is a powerful question. If you could eliminate every current customer and work with whomever you want, would you still be working with today's customers? Such a fascinating question. <laughs> you, do you, do you uh, want to answer that one live or kind of put you on the spot? I will well, if you will. Well, no, because our clients listen to this show. I know so. some of our clients uh, listen to the show. But, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll go first. I'll be honest. I There are some clients that I'm currently working with that I probably would not work with again. And I'm comfortable admitting that because I think that's part of being in business. I think you do your best to get the right kind of clients in the door. You do your best to do some screening and, and to make sure things are going well. But every once in a while, or in some organizations, more than once in a while, someone gets through that probably shouldn't have. And my theory is, if there is a book, if there is a process, if there is a model to help reduce the likelihood of that happening, I'm all in. I don't know about you, but I'm all in. Well, for sure. I, we spend a lot of time 
both selling to and then serving the wrong kinds of customers. And I do think that, I mean, I make the point in my book, Shep actually made it in his book after the section that you quoted about when customers terminate you, there's actually a section about when you should terminate your customers. But knowing who isn't your customer or knowing who your product or service isn't for is just as important as knowing who it is for. Because We save our salespeople a whole lot of time or our marketing department a whole lot of time if they're not pursuing people who are the wrong kinds of customers. So my favorite passage in the book is all about how to think differently about your customers. Customers as members. The shift I'm suggesting asks you to reframe the customer journey less as a company process and more as a customer process. The clothing brand members only became somewhat of a cultural sensation back in the 80s. The tagline for the company's line of apparel is, when you put it on, something happens. Yes, I had a members only jacket, I admit it. What if you could come to think about your customers, clients, patients, or whatever you call them, as members? Please know right off the bat that I'm not suggesting you create a membership aspect to your business. It might be a great model for you, but that is not my point. I'm suggesting that you think this way about your customers because the main reason someone seeks to be a member is fundamentally different from the main reason they seek to be a customer. If every organization adopted this thinking, it would change how they innovate, iterate, and support every aspect of their business. In a stable membership relationship, the goal is to help every member get the transformation they are seeking, not the product you are selling. The difference can be staggering. What if you actually cared more about your customer's transformation than about your own transaction? Oh, I liked this one. And not just because I had a members-only jacket back in the day. I think the nomenclature, the naming that we use to think about the audiences we serve, whether that's audience or customer or client, or as John suggests, member, dramatically influences how we think about serving them. And I think his idea of talking about them as members is really useful and powerful. Well, the thing that stood out for me here was how B2B companies have these departments called customer success. And that the whole concept of those two words sounds like it's about getting the customer transformation going and getting them to where they want to be, as John mentions. But in fact, they're often really just dressed up inside salespeople and they're trying to get the customer to spend more. Yeah. The customer success is another sale, you know. Exactly. Right. That's what how success is measured. Absolutely. Well, my favorite passage from the book is as follows. Scan a few million Google reviews like I have, and it's likely you will spot an obvious trend. With the exception of true product-only companies, people review people as much or even more than they do places or services. My waiter was amazing. The technician was so polite. The customer service rep helped me when I was in a pinch. They may love the result they got from Bob's foundation repair, but they rave about Rusty who oversaw their project. To that reviewer, Rusty is the company. I contend that in any way, shape, or form that your business comes into contact with a prospect or customer, a marketing function is being performed. As countless reviews attest, your people, your culture, and the level of employee engagement are your most potent assets. So if you buy the notion that many of your ideal customers love what you do because of the relationship they have with someone on your team, how could you leverage that? 
How could you use the same thinking I've asked you to apply to your customers to create a more engaged team as a whole? What would the stages, characteristics, milestones, and promise tracks look like if you applied them internally to each individual team member? I absolutely loved this because as we have said on this show a hundred times, if we've said it once, the customer experience and the employee experience are two sides of the same coin. If you enhance the employee experience, you enhance the customer experience. If you enhance the customer experience, you enhance the employee experience. And I think there's huge opportunities for CX teams around the world to really dive deep and partner even with the HR teams in their organizations to enhance the employee experience as well. I know I can't stop thinking about Rusty and how great of a job he did on the foundation repair. (laughs) So I totally agree. Hey, friends, we think you will love to read this book. And we recommend that you go out and get a copy today because it just hit the shelves. John Jantz's book, The Ultimate Marketing Engine, Five Steps to Ridiculously Consistent Growth, is the playbook your business needs to start thinking of your customers as members and make their success your success. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. You're the best listener ever. And since you listened to the whole show, yay you, we're curious. Was there a specific part of this episode that you enjoyed the most? If so, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with a coworker, a friend, or someone that just loves listening to podcasts. And while you're in the sharing mood, if you felt inclined to jump over to iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts and write us a review, we would so appreciate it. And when you do, don't forget to let us know as we might have a little surprise for you. Thanks again for your time and we'll see you next week for more Experience. Yes.